Hello, Crisis Talkers, and welcome back to another episode of Crisis Talk. Today, we've got a very, a, a much more serious episode for y'all today. I'm actually going to be uh, uh, gearing down the outrageous one today, just to pay some serious respect to this topic. We're going to be looking at the situation in Ethiopia, as you can tell by the title. We're going to look at the civil war that's occurring between the region of Tigray and the rest of the country. And uh, well, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not the most informed, but we fortunately have a member of the Ethiopian diaspora here with us today. In fact, a good friend of mine from all the way back in high school. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into it and, and probably look into the issue and also look at how it applies to the rest of African stuff. But anyways, by the favor of you, let's get into it. I'm both saying to the outrageous one and I'm joined by... What's good people? It's your girl, Lisa. And um, it's Palumi, and I, I, I think this this topic and this um, conversation is really important, and I'm so excited by it. And um, William mentioned before, um, the guest that we have is Fasika. She is a very, very smart person. Like in high school, she was getting the grades. Oh, yeah. She was, she was showing these boys up. Oh, she was showing these boys up, especially in maths. Yeah. Like so, I love, yeah. I love yeah, I a love podcast. Um, I love a podcast with another wise, educated, beautiful woman. So I need amen, schooling. That's amen. And these boys definitely need schooling. So, oh. Basica, <laughs> take us to church or school in this aspect. Thank you, guys. Um, my name is Basica. Like I said, we've known me, Pulumi, and William have known each other since. Um, high school and I'm meeting the lovely Lisa today <laughs> thank you for having me guys yeah. you know, why don't we start by getting to know you a little bit because obviously you're from Ethiopia I, I assume you were born there I probably yeah. should so, um, yeah <laughs> I'm born in Ethiopia um, I was born in the capital city and I was raised there and then when I was nine I came here you know people kids raised in Africa Asia, their maths is different. <laughs> their maths, they were teaching us back home, so um, that was so, why. But so, th- so that's yeah. why the English GCSEs they're, they're just too easy for you. The English GCSEs, <laughs> the GCSEs in the country of England, because guys, oh, wow. actually, we were in the same maths class. She was a different specimen. Oh gosh. But anyways, <laughs> uh, let's actually get into this topic then. What yeah. is going on in Ethiopia right now, Fasika? Right. So right now there is a civil war going on. That's basically it. And the federal government is warring with the regional government. And however, if it was just, you know, a sense of a war, a war in itself is horrific. The amount of lives that's, that are lost are horrific. But I think what makes this especially, um, you know, especially cruel and especially horrible is the fact that it's a war also against the people and it's not just um it's not just the federal forces it's also they've also invited foreign troops eritrean troops our neighbors eritrea to come and attack that region and the underlying what underlines this war is um genocide and genocidal undercurrents genocidal screech um a sense of yeah a sense of like um retaliation against the people not so much as a war between just between two government and two forces. So the people are specifically being targeted, um, especially by the Eritrean forces who are, um, if you guys know about Eritrea, it's um, a very, well, it's a country without a constitution. Um, 
that's never good. And it's run by a dictator. They don't have many civil liberties. Yeah, they don't have like money or any civil liberties, to be honest. There's, you know, the crisis of um, like immigration, which we had over here, over here, which we had basically the West, the European countries, when they were saying too many people are migrating, a lot of them were from Eritrea and Ethiopia as well. And um, yeah, so there's literally no youth now there. And, but the youth that are left there that haven't been able to immigrate outside there, once you turn 18 right after high school, you have to do a national service. But that national service, that, that conscription is an indefinite national service. Um, and basically, so this is giving you context to their involvement. It's run by a dictator. It's, um, they have a high number of troops and they're also involved in the war completely. Their machinery is completely involved in the war. Their troops are involved in the war. And this dictator that they have, that those two, um, Eritrea and the region Tigray, are um, the, regional, the regional leaders um, have some sort of rivalry going on between themselves. So this is, and he's um, a dictator and also I think insane. <laughs> So there's just there's been a lot of horrific things that are coming out where it's targeting the people and it's um, civilian massacres and so forth. <laughs> but that's basically the context that I can give you. Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but right now I'm really feeling that meme where someone was like, I'm really getting tired of living through historical events because damn, everything's just coming so serious. So Literally. this sounds to me like the, the, there's a past beef between them two regions that's been going on for generations and generations. And then now there's just like a lot of collateral. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up the past. Um, the past factors into what makes this a genocide, what makes this um, targeted at these people, the inhabitants of the region, Tigray. Um, so a lot of people think that this started, that basically this, the narration surrounding this war is from the Ethiopian government. Is it, they don't even call it a war; they call it a law enforcement operation. And they have they've been in denial about a lot of factors that we know have been true. So they said that no, they said this is a law enforcement operation. So no external parties have been invited. We know conclusively, without a shadow of doubt. Even their um, their troops have said it on video. They've been recorded saying it that um, their generals, not just like everyday troops as well. Their generals have been. Recorded saying that Eritrean troops are in and they're attacking our citizens. You know, they're raping on women. There's a specific clue, uh, clip where he's saying in the capital city of that region, Megala, why are women being raped? There's this general bringing that to the conversation. He's like, why is it that we've now got a hold of this? Why are they still report so many reports of rape? And so, yeah, so they're, they're not calling it a war. They've said that this war has ended. So on the front of the federal government, everything that comes out is like a lie because you'll see an evidence to contradict it. To make sense of all of this, I think we have, I have to give you guys like background context of history um, so that I can give you guys a good rundown, but I could um, describe the situation that's going on right now. So tell it to give you guys like, um, so there's a complete communications blackout, um, phone line for a really long time, and then they were put back on and then they go back off immediately. Phones, internet, everything. The, Electricity as well, it's completely off. Um, banks have been off. There's, the banks that work are only in Megale, and you have to have, um, so the exchange rate between Ethiopian currency and um, the pound, for example, is like around 50, one pound to 50 bir. And so, yeah, you have to have a certain amount um, 
they're being completely basically this is this is a war targeting the people you can tell this is a war against the people not just a war civil war they've looted um hospitals so that the people can't go to hospitals to get treated there's no medicines um like i said there's so many war crimes there's so many massacres every time i get on twitter i see like another hundreds and hundreds of guys their bodies all over the street it's so horrific like when he was saying that it's so horrific i never thought we would be living through this um and so yeah. i think for the situation there've been there've been like over 61,000 that have migrated to Sudan to the west and there's troops there now to stop them being able to leave 61,000 wow. over 61,000 people yeah to our neighboring Sudan region um there have been internally displaced around 2 million people or over 2 million people that have been internally displaced so when there's, you know, yeah. wherever there's fighting, they go to a different place. So even in the capital city of that region, for example, they have like hundreds of thousands that they've put, they had to find somewhere to put them. The locals, and this isn't even government orchestrated, the locals had to help the people that were flooding in because there was war everywhere. Um, and they had to put them in schools and, you know, and basically, and there's been a communications blackout, so we can't help and they, we can't spend money at the same time because there's a limit to how much money they can take out. Which that's not the case in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is like you can take out your own money, uh, but specifically in that region, they're implementing these laws. To, to, oh. It seems like it's like almost punishing. It's not almost. It's definitely punishing the people. It's definitely targeted towards the people. And um, yeah, the conversations that this is being had, like there's so many things to touch on. But essentially, this is this is a genocide. So I think yeah. Um, I just had a few questions just to un- understand sort of the, I guess the political makeup of. Um, Ethiopia before um, the current prime prime minister came into power. When we talk about um, the, and correct me for pronunciation of this, I need to get it in my head. That um, ta- it's Tigray, Tigray. Oh, Tigray. So the Tigray People Liberation Front is that a more more like a um, a people's government? So there wasn't like a political leader. It was more. Yeah, like a, a self-governing body, or is it a political party? Like, what what makes um, the TPLF? And then why was there such like a, a bit of a? Yeah. I can imagine that there was a bit of um, a bit of tension from the shift of yeah. obviously the TPLF, and then having a more structural what we see as like a normal form of um, government body when you had Prime Minister um, Abai. Um, Ahmed come into power so I just want to understand what the what the makeup of um, um, Ethiopia was prior to the prime minister coming in okay perfect that's a really good question actually so we have to go back all the way to 1991 to understand TPLF or even prior to that yeah so um, essentially before 1991 we had a communist dictator as well the the is known for their dictators um, and he was called, like, they, they gave him the name Red Terror. But essentially, there was a lot of, um, the way Ethiopia is, Ethiopia is re- right now, and the, the constitution of Ethiopia, it's referred to as a nation of nationalities. So Ethiopia is a hugely diverse nation, mm-hmm. and we have over 80 languages. Um, we have, like, you know, different tribes. We look different according to our tribes sometimes. We have different languages, you know, and basically, because these are different peoples in one nation, and different customs and different histories um, mm. because and different cultures entirely, we, it's referred to as a nation of nationality in that constitution. 
But prior to that, they used to be monarchs. And then once that, um, that was that Haile Selassie was the last monarch, if you guys have heard of Haile Selassie, that was the last monarch. And then after that came the um, communist dictator, like there was a student movement against the monarchy because the monarchy was oppressive. And there was a student movement against them. And then it, it, um, the military took over. So there was a military, um, what do you call it? When you- a military coup. <laughs> monarchs, yeah, a military coup. So then hence came Mengistu Haile Mariam. And Mengistu Haile Mariam was, um, yeah, essentially he was, he was kind of communist. He was aided by the Soviet Union at the time. And um, he, he wanted to have like, he wanted to, he wasn't, there were liberation fronts during the monarchy because that Ethiopia didn't feel like it was, um, it wasn't representative of the different cultures sometimes, you know, or at least in the rule, different cultures mm. weren't represented. So then there were liberation fronts and one of the liberation fronts that were formed, especially during the Red Terror, which is Mengistu's era, was um, and Somalia had their liberation front as well. Um, there's a, a bigger, uh, um, the majority of Ethiopians are of the Oromo tribe, and the Oromo also had their liberation front, Oromo liberation front. Mm. Um, the TPLF, so yeah, TPLF, uh, fast forward to 1991, um, they overthrew this military coup, and the TPLF and other political organizations of the time um, tried to set down a constitution that addresses um, ethno-nationalism, is what they call it. Um, so like, you know, to get the right of minorities respected because they all, there were so many liberation fronts formed to, because they felt as though the minorities or in the case of the Oromo, for example, the majority were underrepresented or were subjugated. Um, you know, their lands may have been taken, all types of things. Um, so because of that, there were a lot of liberation fronts. In 1991, they, they won, TPLF waged a war, TPLF along with the, along towards the end, they united forces with other liberation fronts and they came over and they overthrew and then they tried to set down a constitution that said rights to minorities, rights to um, everything else. So they were an official government. Um, mm -hmm. And so they had a coalition of um, different regions. There was TPLF was representative of the, the region Tigray. Um, there was a representation for the region Amara when they eventually became a government. And there was a representation for the region Oromia. And then they said for the Southern nationalities. And that's called the House of Federation. There's those four houses being able to represent each of their interests. And then there's also House of Parliament, which is Ethiopia is a federation, like I mentioned before. So there's kind of trying to, to implement democracy in that nation. People had problems with it, of course. And so for 27 years, that coalition called EPRDF ruled Ethiopia for 27 years. That, along with EPLF, there was the Amara organization, there was the Oromo organization, and there was the Southern People Representation. <laughs> And basically of that coalition, the TPLF is accused of being the one that, that runs things. So they, they had a power hegemony, uh, how the opposition likes to say it, that um, for the most part, national decisions were made by the TPLF as opposed to the whole coalition. And, um, and so, so basically after this, there's um, a rhetoric against their constitution, Tigray started. And, um, and so they started saying that Tigray, you know, people of that region, Tigray are um, thieves. So I'm from that region, so we're thieves. And, and that we've gotten rich, you know, we're like, circulating around in Antikaba saying people of Tigray are coming in. And imagine this is in your nation, in your own nation. So I felt like mm. this is a point we should like touch on later, um, the concept of tribalism or ethnicity in Africa. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that they're concerned. Um, no, definitely. I think um, mentioning tribalism from what I'm being able to gather and understand, it seems like for a long period of time since 1991 up until um, 2018 before the prime minister came into power, there was this multi-ethnic coalition that seemed to work um, and correct me correct me if I'm if I'm wrong for saying that it seemed to work um a bit harmoniously and when the prime minister came in I think that for me it seems like there was a bit of a power struggle now and um a focus on trying to centralize and weaken this coalition and turn it into something more um more of like a dictatorship um therefore stripping stripping of identities now what I'm trying to understand is why a personal attack on a specific region um is it because for a long time um the the for a long time like the region that, that you're from sorry made a significant impact on politics and they were kind of like the main um the main oversi oversizing influence um of politics at the time like I'm just trying to understand where this where the tensions came from between what essentially is basically the prime minister and um the Targaryens not the Targaryens why am I in Game of Thrones myself? the Targaryens <laughs> yeah sorry no it's you everything you were saying was perfect so essentially um, there was a coalition, there was an ethnic coalition, and actually a lot, this, this constitution is kind of, for people that aren't aware of the Ethiopian society, it's contested to be like, oh, you know, why would you have a federation based on ethnicity? Why we had to have a federation based on ethnicity at that point was because, like I said, I mentioned before, you, you know, people want to be recognized for the identity that they have, mm. and they don't want, in Ethiopia, there's always been this, um, this discord between ethno-nationalism and just you know Ethiopian nationalism or whatever mm. and the argument that's always presented is that Ethiopian nationalism is weakened if ethno-nationalism is, is strengthened and that's not that wasn't the case or that's not the case necessarily um you know it's like I said it's if you're having um you, there's no way to not acknowledge diversity or to not make it part of to not make a part of society in a society that's inherently diverse mm. But for that coalition, like I said, so that constitution thinking and people were counteracting it by saying that, you know, this is making a racist society. There was a lot of, there were things that were um, wrong in the administration of it. However, the concept was one that was trying to say that, look, all the, all the peoples of Ethiopia, all the nations of Ethiopia, all the cultures and the minorities and everything have to be, have to have self-administration. And they give right. self-administration. This is so central to TPLF and central to actually all the liberation movements that were around at the time. You have to have um, self-administration to the point of secession. So if Tigray, for example, is saying, or Oromia, for example, is saying, listen, the way things are being run is against, is against my interests, against my people, as is the case right now, then they could secede from that nation because it, it's basically, it gives that, it holds paramount the idea of self-administration. Um, self and yeah. so, yeah, there's been this two, like I said, there's been a dynamic between ethno-nationalism and Ethiopian nationalism. And people want to, yeah. And so, but, so then when 1991, it tried to address this, the constitution tried to address this by saying, listen, like we're, we have to recognize who you are. 
and then at the same time we have to recognize that we're part of children and these two things can work hand in hand it doesn't have to be one doesn't have to be compromised by the other absolutely and i think i think what's really interesting um is the fact that when it comes to when it comes to africa because africa is so big and places in africa so like face like ethiopia because um, it's so big that re- different regions can run as if they're their own country, even if it's like part of one country, if that makes sense. And I feel like that's what that's what this um, that's what this um, um, constitution idea was trying to do. Um, and I yeah. think that this this just goes to further um, further prove and further show why something like why an episode like this is so important because like it's showing that. Because of our, because of the of the issues that were going on internally, internally in, in Ethiopia and specifically in Tigray, like it just shows um, how big it is and how much like issues that can that can that can kind of, that could have been like sorted out if there was like a structure, if there was like a great political structure, if there was a great um, you know um, economic structure. It just shows that if there were these things in place, then we wouldn't be in the then they wouldn't be in the position that they're in now. Which just which which just goes back to the point that I was trying to that because before this, Min Faske was talking and we were saying that like Africa as a continent and countries in Africa need to get better at these things of politics, of economics, of financial independence, of being able to understand what how to how to how to run a country because I think like just just thinking and just um, looking holistically. Um, Africa as a continent is is somewhat under attack, and it's our own do- doing. Like we can't really blame the North or, bl- or, or blame like the West Western society or whatever, because I feel like there's an internal problem within Africa, uh, uh, it, within the continent, and I feel like that needs to be that needs to be addressed. I think it's a spiritual problem, political problem, economical problem, like I said before, and I think that. It is, it is really important that we, as a diaspora of people that are from Africa, so this is Africans that are, that are British or Africans, um, Africans that are in America, wherever, we need to understand that like the continent that we're from is really going through it right now. Um, because there's other examples, like look at what happened with um, SARS in Nigeria, for example. Look at what happened, what, what happened in Syria, what's, what's been happening in Syria, for example. Um, I think it's 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 we're in a we're in a state of need, and we need to like start we need to start like knowing knowing about what's going on because what's going on right now and then because we're living in history. It's not like this this has happened. This is happening right now as we speak. Um, yeah. What yeah. are you What are you guys' thoughts? Like William, Lisa, like from everything that like Fasca said, what do you guys think? Uh, I think, you know, there's definitely been a great point raised here. And you are also make a great point in that how it, uh, this whole tribalism thing is contagious across the whole continent. Because it happens even in Cameroon, obviously, that's where I'm from. There's a big issue. And, you know, in some ways, I don't know how the world manages to do this. We've kind of flipped it because normally, you know, you're the one who likes to blame the West and I'm the one who says we can't blame it. And this time, I'm going to say, you know what? There is some blame that goes to the West because when oh, they absolutely absolutely colonization, yeah, and you know, basically just reorganized the maps to to however it suits their conquests. 
you know, it really plays around with culture. Like Fasca mentioned, I can imagine that's such a sensitive place to do that because there's so many different cultures. It's like everyone has that need to relate to their own culture, but assimilate to You know what's so interesting? You guys are raising such good points here, like about tribalism and about Western influence and Western involvement. And the thing that Ethiopians hold like sacred or like, you know, they want to, they like to brag about is that, you know, they didn't, they kind of came united and they tried to fight off Italy at that, at that time when they tried to come and colonize. And we, um, in fact, the anniversary of that celebration, Adwa, had recently passed. Um, Adwa is also in the Tigray region. So that northern region has always fought off invaders. But that was at oh, wow. around the time when this Ethiopia is the state that we know it now. Yeah, so we can't, you know, I feel like Ethiopia is such a weird, really, we didn't have the Western influence that so many other nations had with, in terms of colonization. So this is just a case where we can study what is the that Africans are doing to each other. What kind of, right. how does ethnicity or tribe or whatever come into play? How, because right now the, the, the response of the diaspora is so strange from what we've heard from like, you know, with actual evidence, with concrete evidence, presenting it to them saying like, look, this is what's happening. Look, we're dying. Like to our friends, the people that we've always grown up with, like we didn't, sep- um, you know, we didn't, I didn't think there was, I, did, I wasn't raised to see that much separation. At the end of the day, it's like, I am who I am, you are who you are, but we're all Ethiopian and we have a nation that, you know, it's like, oh, you're part of Ethiopia. And I love the fact that we were such a diverse nation. And, and but at this point now, with, um, with how tribalism comes into play, when this is happening to a specific region and to specific people, there's virtually silence from the larger Ethiopian um, diaspora, you know? There is, even from our friends, and this is like, this has been part of the thing that's been so shocking as well, it's like there's so much horrific things, you know, like I mentioned before, so many state massacres, so many, just so many horrific things that like you guys are saying, you don't, we're living through kind of unprecedented times. If I'm saying that Ethiopia holds her sovereignty very sacred because that historically she, since we've, um, since it's a source of pride, I guess, that, that we fought off Western invasion, um, it's just that it's a, a country, you know, that we, it's, it hasn't been colonized or whatever is, is a source of pride. So recently the anniversary had gone past. So because of this idea of Ethiopians in Ethiopia, like, you know, whole, I guess, um, I guess, yeah, fighting off invaders, it's never been done where, well, it has to be fair, but that's a different story. We'll go back into history a bit more. Uh, but right now what's happening is that they've invited foreign troops that are historical enemies with that region and with that nation. And I guess to come in and invade the people and like everything, even Ethiopia has some resentment against the Tigrayan people. Like I said, because um, that TPLF, while it was in EPRDF, was accused of holding political hegemony. I don't know if I'm saying this right, um, but yeah, holding that political power more so than the other parts of the coalition. Um, but there's been there's been genocidal rhetoric since since that time. There's been people that have been come that there's been, you know, whole genuine calls for genocide that said that listen, these people are a minority constitutions, they're only five percent of the nation. The rest of 95 could easily exterminate the five percent if they wanted to. Mm. Um, they've been saying there's been a newspaper article that has been that was published in the days by a politician that's now in prison, but like for a different reason. And he was saying that, you know, just like the Jew, the Germans exterminated the Jewish, which were robbing them, which had all the economic whatever, which were, you know, a, a pest to the society or whatever, we could do the same with these people, with Tigrayans. 
but the, you know what I'm saying? So there is the tribalism isn't even Western manifested. This is what we right. as Africans have in Africa in the way that yeah. we view each other. And yeah. you I just want to I just want to interject on on that point there because obviously I don't want to be in a position where I'm like oh yes blame the west um but there there are elements in which the west have done via colonialization that I think Africa the whole continent of Africa has definitely adopted and taken into consideration and almost use that as ways of communicating and um, administrating some sort of power control within um, countries within Africa. And it's definitely one, the use of military and the use of state violence to gain control, to gain access um, and and invade basically, or even break um, break down the order in which certain certain makeups of um, African countries um, were before, you know, before colonization kind of happened, and I think this is this is where the problem lies with Africa that that is violence is just the first point of call um, and first point of action to gain power or to gain control or to redesign um, a political structure. And that's something that was learned through colonization. When British troops came into um, came into Africa or countries within, within Africa, it was always military based. It was always, you need to do this. This is how we gain control. And either one throwing up an accusation um, that, that permits them to administrating violence or bribery or buying off um, certain political leaders and so on and so forth. And what I've seen, especially with the with, with the situation in Ethiopia, is that same element of the use of mil- the use of military and accusation. So the prime minister has accused one particular region that has had influence, political influence for so many years and did make their own form of um, political makeup that was working, made a wild accusation that they've attacked military base, which is obviously um, a power conflict there. And then with that being said, that almost permits them and validates the fact that, okay, we open fire and we and we, we start a war um, because we need to establish a power. That is the same themes the same things that happened during the times of colonization so it's it's hard to not blame western culture for traits that have been adapted in africa but it's also the fault of like a particular type of africans and political type of african leaders that also take this and continue to feed it within Within their within their own countries, that's where the problem is. The problem yeah. is with these um, these specific leaders that have a power struggle. We can't deny right now with Africa. Africa Africa is not even African Africans. Like it's not for Africans anymore. It's being bought by the West. It's being bought off by Chinese. It's being bought by every other person in the world. And the way in which they're being bought by is by this lie and this philosophy of oh, we can make your life better. We can 
better change but you're stripping people's identities you're stripping people's cultures in the process of of doing that so yeah. why aren't our african leaders putting their foot down and coming from an approach that is not less that that is selfless and not about them and not about their and not about economic profit and economic gain gain that's the conversation that what, what you did right there that's a fairy tale to african politician not about <laughs> but, economic but what you these guys, what we need to do is teach them empathy. And because I don't know, it, it kind of makes you think back about England now, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, you know, because Europe was very similar to Africa in the sense of, you know, there was war everywhere, there was battles everywhere, there was smoke <clears throat> and And, you know, and the government were more or less inhumane to the population. I feel like these, it's just the generation that African like, leadership is at they're just all disgusting we just need new guys but in there this, what this whole conversation discussion has taught me is the fact that africa as a continent and then i'll go on to ethiopia but africa as a continent um need to understand that through no fault of their own they were used manipulated broken down um there's, there's literal, the soul of Africa literally broken um, and the identities taken um, so that other people could succeed and other people and other people and other in other areas of the world could could have their lives and live the, the way they live right now. This is through slavery, this is through um, war crimes and many, many other things in history that the history that we know against the continent of Africa. Now, when it comes to Ethiopia specifically and everything that's going on there, I think what it says is about the human nature that is that is very, very bad. Um, because like Fasica said, this, is, this wasn't necessarily the West. This was people in, um, in, in Africa, show, governments in Africa showing themselves up and turning their backs against the people that they were meant to serve. Um, and this is and and I like I will always be dragging white racist men for the things that they did or white racist people for the things that they did. But if history tells us that in 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 Ethiopia that they did fight off colonization and stuff like that, then this this specifically in Ethiopia just shows that people are bad and that it it is a it is a um it is an act of violence. The acts of violence that are done against 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 a by a government against their own people is so disgusting. And I think it's like every 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 person part of the diaspora of Africa, Africans, Black, however you want to identify yourself, everybody needs to wake up to the fact of what is going on. Um, and what is going on in Africa, and why Africa is having such a such a crisis right now? Um, so I hope that that's what this episode did. Just because I know we talked specifically about Ethiopia, but I we we mentioned the wider context of Africa as a whole. I hope that this um, I hope that everyone listening, the crisis talkers, I hope that everyone listening um, really got that that this is a this is a. This is a, this is something that's going on. We're living through it, and we need to know we need to know our our place so that we are on the right side of history. Um, like I said again, um, Africans, we need to 
be better spiritually, economically. Africa as a continent needs to be better spiritually, economically, um, socially, politically, and stuff like that. And one last thing, spiritually, like Afri Africa as a continent, like everyone, like, you know, like religion is there. So I guess now what we need to, what Africa as a continent needs to do is they have the religion and they believe in God or whatever. Now they actually need to use that, use it, use God, use, use what he says in the Bible. Prayer is going to, prayer is going to save everything. Yes, prayer works, but you need to act on it. So Africans need to act on their belief in God, specifically spiritually and act on, and they can do this through, you know, learning politics, being better at economics and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, thank you, um, Fasica, for, you know, bringing insight and just bringing our attentions to what's going on in Ethiopia, because I feel like um, ongoing crises that exist within Africa is just, like I said, ongoing. Um, that, that continent just never just seems to catch a break. And it's always from, <laughs> it's always, I guess, the people that are causing problems for the people. And it's really heartbreaking um, to see that constantly happening. But at the same time, I do feel like there are people that want to see change, that want to administrate change and see that, you know, the country, well, their countries are in absolute disarray and want to make a difference. Um, it's just about the rest of the world, whether it be the diaspora of Africans that are um, spread across the, across the world that come together and support those people that do want positive change, or if it's, you know, for us to put pressure on, you know, more westernized leaders to, I, I guess, <laughs> find ways to support. And it, it, it's so hard because it's like almost leaning on those that have once oppressed you for support and guidance. And you never really know um, if their efforts are genuine. But I guess that then comes further down to, you know, people of color um, or I guess the diaspora of Africans within the Western world to also be in positions of power um, and I guess political influence to support um, the efforts that go on back home or in, in, in Africa um, in essence. So yeah, I mean, thank you so much. And you know, for the people listening, please do your research, please find out more about what's going on in Africa. Um, and for the Africans that are watching, you know what's going back, going on back home, bro, or miss. You know, it's it's a sticky one out there. I think uh, I think you've left us on a very nice note there, Lisa. Um, but thanks very much for Fasca for, for for explaining that all to us, and thanks to you guys for listening. Wait, sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. I just wanted to say I feel like in all of this political conversation, I really want to emphasize to people that are listening. Um, just to please raise awareness of what's going on in Tigray, the war, it's, it's really, it really is a genocide. We're really scared that it's going to be a repeat of Rwanda. We're really scared about the rhetorics that are going on against the people, by their people and their nation. We're scared of how many, you know, invading forces are in that region, whether it be Eritreans, whether it be the federal government, and how, you know, even the weaponization of sexual violence, to, you know, to, against women and um and just the amount of civilian massacres is really terrifying. And I feel like I didn't do enough of a justice explaining that because I wanted to give you political and historical context. So right now, I think for the people of Tigray and um, for peace and wider Africa and Ethiopia, for the specific cause and stuff, 
just raise awareness. Um, there's, there is I Stand With Tigray or there is Omna Tigray and there are Twitter campaigns that we're carrying out. Actually, the pressure for to be let in, international media to be let in, Tigray was, um, was, they say they're credited to the efforts of the diaspora, the Tigray and diaspora to, you know, Twitter campaigns and writing letters to MPs and, you know, pressuring everyone to, to speak to, to use the influence to extend their influence to address the Ethiopian government to say you have to let access into this region. Humanitarian aid, humanitarian access has still not been um, into that region or, or from what they've been, they're saying it's very inadequate, access is closed off, 80% of Tigray isn't able to access humanitarian aid and they've killed all the cattle or they've transported anything. They've, they've, there have been attacks on civil institutions such as hospitals, um, schools, just literally universities, um, just everything of that you think will help the people. They've literally destroyed it. They said, um, the Red Cross, I think, went in and said, I've never been to a place where there isn't even a simple antibiotic present. So, and factories, they've burned down factories. They've, there's literally nothing that hasn't been done that like was, was for the people, not even for the region. To donate if you're able to donate there's Tigray Youth Network there's a lot of pages if you type Tigray on Instagram a lot of pages will come up that will tell you how to donate a lot of the best for us trying to organize so a lot of the conversation around this issue has been so clear that black lives it's not just to white people that black lives don't matter black lives don't kind of don't matter subconsciously to us as well you know and we make that clear when we have conversations that are trying to be negotiating on human rights on access to humanitarian aid, you know, when we weaponize starvation like the government is doing right now. So um, black lives need to matter to black people, first and foremost. And I think they do, they do. Yeah. But we have to address it consciously. We have to address it with action. And we have to, I guess, call out conversations where, where, we, where we in the diaspora are sitting from a, a place of, I'm specifically addressing, sorry, um, they have been um, diaspora mostly, but where we in the diaspora sit in a position of privilege and, are not empathetic to what goes on to the people back home, you know? And that make it seem like human rights are things to be earned. So so basically, please, let's, you know, let's <laughs> let's help ourselves, I guess. Let's let's say that Black Lives Matter to us. Let's do everything that we can to make to show that it matters, to be the voice for the voiceless is the way the campaign is going because they've been shut off from communication. So they're essentially being silenced and we have to say, okay, this isn't okay, you know? These lives matter to us. These lives are a part of us. Thank yeah. you for having me. And that's that, guys. Thank you. Without any further ado, we're going to finish here. I hope y'all are, you know, informed now. Take care. There'll be references and all that in the description. Thank you.